0: says you're live man yeah we're live on this one the other one wasn't the other one wasn't working i don't know why are you live right now you're waiting for everybody yeah, else to- we're live on this one right now i'm just waiting for everybody else to come in everybody uh watching we're going to be starting uh we're going to be starting shortly just getting everybody back in this room because the previous room wouldn't go live for some reason
1: hey okay
0: all right all right we're good now uh, okay here we go All right, uh, just going to get it started so we can uh, get to this interview. All right, so uh, Weapon Wheel Podcast, episode 87.9, getting our Kingdom Hearts decimals in. Um, So uh, Weapon Wheel Podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Mm -hmm. Check out WeaponWheelNetwork.com. All the links are in the description. Um, And shout out to all the patrons who've been supporting Weapon Wheel Podcast on Patreon. Uh, Make sure you give us a like. Check out our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, get started on today's show. So let's uh, get to the introductions. Um, just going to introduce each of the main cast is going to introduce themselves first, and then we'll get to our special guest. So, uh, uh, Smooth.
2: What's up? It's the best spot, Kid Smooth. Right. Jimmy.
1: Hey, what's up, man? I'm Mr. Do It For The Cold show. I'm here. Let's get into it. Uh, Bond. What's going on, everybody? Happy Passover. heart eight.
3: What's good, Heartache Gamer, check me out. Jack Move. Hey, what's poppin' there, buddy? It's, uh, it's Jack Move, man. The guru gideon. But
2: you can also call me your <laughs> your pony
1: commissioner.
0: Yeah. And uh our special guest today is the uh news editor of Kotaku, Jason Schreier. What's going on, man? Hey guys,
4: I don't have a catchphrase. I feel like I need a, a catchphrase to, to oh, man. get in here.
0: Well, Jax is real animated. So you know. got to get you one, man. <laughs> um, oh so yeah, Jason. Thanks, thanks for coming today. Thanks for agreeing to get on the podcast so we can uh, talk to you about some topics.
4: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah. Um, so first, I guess the first thing we want to ask you is uh, uh, obviously, as I said, you're the news editor of, of Kotaku, and you've been in. You know, the headlines lately for uh, several reasons, so we're going to get to that. But uh, first, what? so what games uh, are you currently playing and what games, um, you know, for the year have been your favorite and what you've really enjoyed?
4: Oh, man. This year has been ridiculous. I don't know if you guys agree, but uh, this has been the best year for gaming in a long time uh, that I can remember. I've been playing, so I just finished Persona 5 the other week and then moved into Horizon, which both of those games are just have just become all-time favorites. Um, Finish both of those. I just started this game called Cosmic Star Heroin. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's, yeah, I saw, uh, I saw it. Yeah, it's cool. It's an indie game. It's like a JRPG kind of like fantasy star, the old Sega sci-fi series. Ooh. It's like a spiritual successor to those games. Um, I just started it. It's pretty cool. I played a few hours, and I'm digging it so far. What platform um, is it for? It's on. Uh, I think it's PC and PS4 right now, and then more platforms are coming. What's it later. called again? Cosmic Star Heroine.
0: I saw your tweet about it. Somebody uh, was uh, kind of triggered because they thought it might have been pushing a, fe- a feminist agenda or something like that.
4: <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Man, this game stars a woman. That's some some social justice warrior shit right there. A game with a female protagonist. It's uh, it's that's that's some feminist bullshit. No, it, it's like yeah, people on the internet just being morons." because uh, it has heroin in the title because it's about a female protagonist but yeah it's really cool i like it a lot the combat system is really cool it's kind of like a cross between chrono trigger and uh fantasy star it's cool
5: well bg that should be right up your alley
4: as an rpg guy
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> the jokes hey quick question how long you been at
4: kotaku um man two fucking long five years Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, five years. But the thing, five years doesn't sound like a lot, but in internet time, that's like forty years. Mm-hmm. um No, but I love it. I I I love working at
2: Kesaka. It's
0: pretty cool. Oh, okay. Uh, Jack. Uh. Want... Yeah.
2: Go ahead. Oh yeah, I got a question for Jason. Uh, I've been checking out okay. your content, man. You know, I enjoy. Uh, I do know that you uh came out with a book recently, or it's coming out soon. I, you got to forgive me, but uh. I just want you to do, you know, because everybody that watch our content. You know, they might not be familiar with what you got going on. So, uh, can you describe your book to everybody?
4: Yeah, for sure. So it's called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and it comes out in September, actually. So a couple months away. Okay, five okay. months. Five months from now, I guess. Yeah, it's coming up quickly. Um, and it's about uh, someone's crunching. By the way, I hear some. Yeah, some I was about here. to say.
3: could somebody please mute their mic? Please, thank you, <laughs> yeah who is that <laughs> I'm not playing with some plastic like, I don't know what they were like, yeah I that's,
4: that's flavor. Someone's oh, no eating matzah. So uh, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's called Blood, Stone, and Pixel. It's about the the kind of thesis is that making games is really hard, like much harder than people realize. And so what I'm doing with it is I broke it up into 10 different chapters, and each chapter tells the story behind the making of a game. So it's a whole mixture of games. There's one on Uncharted 4. There's one on Destiny. There's one on Star Wars 1313, um, Halo Wars, a whole bunch more. You can find them all online. I have the full list up. It's actually on the cover of the book is the full list of games. Um, and so each chapter is about like this is what went into making this game. And when you read it, I think when people like read through the entire thing, it'll they'll realize that making games is a lot more complicated and difficult than people realize because there's so many moving pieces and it, it can be just so difficult because of all the variables and all that. And yeah, I, I hope people like it. I think people will enjoy reading the stories that it's a lot of stories that people haven't heard before. Like I don't think people really know the full story behind Star Wars Thirteen Thirteen and that game's development and why it was canceled and how Lucasarts shut down. And so that story's in there. And I don't think people know the real story about like all the the crunch and like the late nights and horrible, horrible weeks that it took to make Uncharted 4 uh, and the director changed like going from Amy Hennig, Amy Hennig who was the, the director of the previous Uncharted games, she was kind of uh, uh, pushed out of Naughty Dog and uh, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley, the guys who directed The Last of Us, they took over Uncharted 4 so that story is in there and a whole bunch more, I think people will dig it, you can get it, it's it's gonna be out in September and I'm sure I'll be doing much more like publicity and stuff then But you can pre-order it on Amazon now and any other, whatever other bookstore websites you like. But yeah, I'm excited. I hope people dig it.
0: So, yeah, that's real interesting because a lot of those stories, you know, we only um, know what we hear. And sometimes that's not enough. Like we er heard about the Amy Hennig situation Mm -hmm. and it was some rumors that said she left voluntarily and some said she was pushed out. So Mm -hmm. how did you like get this information? Go about getting all this uh, information.
4: Well, so each chapter is a little different, right? So with the Uncharted Four One, I should I should preface this by saying that most of the story is about the current version of the game. So like the Amy Hennig part is it's not a it's just a small part of that story. So it's not going to be about like like I I didn't want to get into a lot of political gossip and like pointing figures and that sort of stuff in the book because um, I I just wasn't that interested in that part of it. Um, but for that story, I actually went to Naughty Dog and I sat down, uh, interviewed a ton of them for a ton of the developers and like the leads and Neil and Bruce and all the, a bunch of other people. I think I spoke to like something like 20 people who worked on the game um, and told the story out of that. A lot of the stories in the book are based on official visits like that. Um, there's one on Stardew Valley, for example. I don't know if you guys know that game. It's like yeah, the yeah. Harvest Moon game came out last year. Um, so that was made by one guy. So I went up to his house in Seattle and I visited him and sat down with him for a while and we chatted and so so that story is about is based on that and then a couple of them so like the destiny one uh is more based on there are a couple of people who spoke on the record but bungie didn't want to participate so a lot of the people i spoke to for that story were off the record uh speaking on background or anonymously or whatever else uh so yeah so it's like a mixture of stuff uh a mixture of studio visits and just conversations with people etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: okay Cool, cool, cool. That's great. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to the uh, the next question. So, um, you've been, uh, I guess, under under a little bit of attack by the, I guess you can call, say, the Xbox uh, community um, as of late. The mafia. Because, the mafia. Yeah, be because of some comments, um, but. Before we get to that, I guess what are your general thoughts on the uh, the Xbox Scorpio? We learned a lot of news about it, uh, you know, from Digital Foundry uh-huh. recently. So, what are your overall thoughts, and what do you think it it'll it'll do for for Microsoft going forward?
4: I think it's too early to tell, right? Because it's like it, right now, it's hard to tell where Microsoft fits into things and like what the Scorpio will do. And so, right now, we know that it's got impressive specs, right? Like you, the whole Digital Foundry thing was about how impressive, how powerful the machine is. But we don't really know if like Rockstar, for example, is going to be like, okay, we're putting out Red Dead 2, but it's 30 frames a second on PS4 and 60 on Scorpio. And we don't know if game developers are actually going to do that so like a a raw power on a machine doesn't mean anything right until we see what game makers do with it so like we we might get to an interesting point later this year where microsoft's like oh well red dead 2 and destiny 2 and all your other favorite third-party games are going to be 60 frames per second on the Scorpio, which would be ridiculous and, and might convince some people to change over and that would be really interesting but if if, the Scorpio, if we get to the point where it's like Scorpio is more powerful, but all of these third-party games are basically capped, or like they're running at the same frame rate, but maybe they get a tiny resolution bump on Scorpio or whatever else, then I don't know what the point is, because exactly. Microsoft's exclusives, like the new Halo and the new Gears of War, are all going to be on PC, so... If you're into those games, there's no reason to buy a Scorpio over a gaming PC, right? Uh, unless you want exactly. to, I guess, maybe save a couple hundred bucks or something like that. But yeah, I mean, my main point is it's too early to tell because we don't know enough about this thing. We don't even know how much it's going to cost,
0: you know? Right. Um, so, uh, Smooth here is our resident uh, lead Xbox <laughs> man. And, uh, I think, he, you know, he, he doesn't take kindly to that to that kind of talk. So, Smooth, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you got something you want to ask Um jason um well good thing you you work for kotaku
2: so this is a a perfect uh, question for you um one of the reoccurring topics this generation has been the existence of media bias mm-hmm. against the xbox brand of course do you believe that that actually exists um
4: i mean i i why would i even like okay so i'm gonna speak personally right so mm-hmm. if Why would I care enough to be media biased? Like, I I don't really care about these these mega corporations that are, like, are just out for money, for everyone's money. Like, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, they're all pretty much the same in my eyes in terms of, like... (laughs) <laughs> How I, I mean like i don't i i've never really understood the whole fanboy thing and the console war thing like last generation i played mostly on 360 because that's where most of the games i wanted to play were this year i play mostly on ps4 because that's where most of the games i want to play amen, are amen. yeah man i mean like honestly I, I i can't speak for anyone else so i don't want to be like oh media bias in general but but like uh speaking personally, I just am playing whatever I feel best, and then I try to be honest. And if I'm being honest, and I happen to say that Microsoft is doing things wrong, then uh, people might interpret that as media bias, but I don't know. I try to criticize all the companies. I criticize Sony all the time. I criticize Nintendo all the time for being asked backwards. I could definitely go out and say like, Microsoft is so much better at Sony in terms of backwards compatibility and uh, their new Xbox access program, which seems really cool. Um, And I wish Sony would do something like that. I wish Nintendo would do something like that. Point is, uh, uh, I don't think, I don't feel like I have any media bias towards companies because I don't really give enough of a shit to do that. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? I have I have bias towards like like the things that I like. Like, I'm biased towards Japanese games because I prefer to play Japanese RPGs and stuff like that. But like, I don't give a shit if that's from square enix or konami or what it's just like whatever games i really want to play I, I don't know that's that's what i'm feeling on it
1: <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> much, to,
4: much to the dismay of the people with scorpio symbols in their twitter accounts
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, like to just, tweet at me
3: hey, like, just I, block them and move on man that's just,
4: what i do that's what i do there are a lot of people i think it it, it must be a younger crowd um who unfortunately are, it's like really into it <laughs> yeah maybe it's not i don't know um, and i got nothing i mean a smooth I, I if you're an xbox fan that's totally fine with me i don't really understand when people are like like standing on twitter and like talking about and just like defending these multi-million dollar corporations and and shit like that but but uh uh as far as like being a fan of the console that's totally awesome like i'm 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 like I like it when people are fans of things. Um, fans of corporations, not so much, but I don't know. That's just me.
5: Ooh. Here's
4: oh, a quick question, so
5: though. What's about up? Oh. Chime in. Why, why do you think – do you think it's a coincidence that only Nintendo and Microsoft fans are complaining about a media bias and not <laughs>
4: – <laughs> No, no, not at all. I mean this happened last generation. We saw this. Thing. I, like, I don't know if you guys were paying a ton of attention. Oh, you I were. Was, you yeah. were. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, last year, I mean, last, last generation, I remember all the Nobody Sony fans were, like, you know? bitching about the way that the media treated the PSP. Oh, oh, and... can
3: you say that one more time, please? <laughs> please they that... act like that didn't exist. They act like that did not exist.
4: No, it definitely exists. I mean, it's, like, I think this the whole console thing I think is one of the stupidest things on Earth. Um, I just think like being a fan of a corporation as opposed to being a fan of good games is just seems so like asinine to me. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really get it. But yeah, I, I remember a lot of people bitching because uh, the 360 was the dominant console for a while. And then that kind of paired off towards the end of Last Generation, which mm-hmm. I think was a really good time. Like I think we're better off by the way, when all the companies are competing, right? Like, and I get a lot of Xbox fans bitching at me, right? But I keep saying, I wish Microsoft was in a better place. I wish they weren't canceling games and closing studios. And I wish that (laughs) they were actually competing With PS4, like I'm crossing my fingers that Scorpio is going to be awesome. I would love better, more consoles and competition, and I want Sony to feel pressured to put PS1 and PS2 and PS3 backwards compatibility on the PS4 because that's what I want to play. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like if they were were had a real competitor instead of just dominating the this generation, then. they be in better shape i think and we'd all be in better shape competition is good for gamers in competition general competition is that. good
5: it is sure. definitely sure. good we tell us man what we call these uh
0: fans of corporations oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i do you got anything else to say i don't think you did you if you have any <laughs> other questions I'm, I'm, I'm ask right now i'm
2: just i mean uh here's the thing all right so <laughs> did, did, did anybody give you like a reason for the uh the um backlash that you got of why you got that backlash did anybody give like any any give you any like particular details of why they were coming at you um over the... You mean this past weekend? Over the score, it Because it seemed that everybody came at you after the whole Scorpio comment.
4: Yeah, so what happened is... Let me, let me back up for a second in case people are listening to this who don't know the full story. So what happened was, so Eurogamer had their big reveal last week, last Thursday. And it was a big exclusive on Digital Foundry, right? And so one of the things I found interesting, and I wrote this in a Kotaku comment, was that Microsoft paid for them to fly out there. And I thought that was a little unusual. I thought that was a... a Kind of, it's not something I'm a biggest fan of, right? Because, like, Kotaku, uh, and in general, I think professional journalists have a policy not to accept payment and travel from the people that they cover. Like, I, I have a policy, and Kotaku's a policy not to take travel from any publisher, anyone we cover, right? And so I thought it was bizarre that Eurogamer did that, especially because they knew that this was going to be huge traffic for them and I'm sure bring in some revenue and stuff. But again, this is not a big deal. This is like something I wrote in a Kotaku comment on a story it's this is not something i like highlighted in a post or even tweeted about at all and then so i see that like these guys i don't even want to name these people but they're like such scumbags the the people with big audiences on twitter with the scorpios in their handles um there are a couple of them who just seem to exist only to rile people up and like like send their fans to harass people Do they
5: have those purple m's in their twitter handles? yeah yeah yeah. that's what i'm talking
4: oh, about ms. Yeah, yeah so that's
3: so, the corporate slave brandon the Man, it,
4: logo. yeah, and like, I, I, part of me gets it because I'm a sports fan, and so I get like loyalty.
5: Hold to on, brand. hold on, I gotta stop you right there. What's you up? You can't compare. Let guy. me explain. Let me
1: explain. <laughs> no, you can,
5: you can Give compare. me 20 seconds. It's not a sports A sports team represents, can represent your school, your high school, your college, your region, your city, your country. A piece of plastic in a corporation doesn't represent anything.
4: I mean, I don't know. I just understand brand loyalty. Because, like, I'm a Jets fan, and the Jets owner, Woody Johnson, is, like, this giant Trump supporter. And that makes me feel uh, a little weird because um, I'm not a huge fan of, of our current president. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I try to I, – I, I have complicated feelings about all this stuff. Um, but anyway, long story short, so, so they – like, one of them, one of these fucking scumbags with the, the Scorpio, and uh, tweets out a, screen, <laughs> a bunch of screencasts. Of my Kotaku comments. And this turns into a whole thing because then they start sending all their fucking, like, scumbag followers my way. And so I have to block a bunch of people on Twitter and it turns into this whole controversy. And, like, I didn't even tweet anything. My only tweets about this were responses to people, which I think is, like, indicative of... How much I cared about this, but I think a lot of people thought that it was a bigger deal than it was. Like, I don't really care that much that that, uh, Microsoft paid for Eurogamer's thing. A whole bunch of people were like to me, Why didn't you criticize it when Sony paid for Microsoft to fly out there? And I.
5: When did Sony Sony pay Microsoft to fly somewhere? Uh, Sorry,
4: when Sony paid Eurogamer, when Sony paid Eurogamer to, or paid for their travel, sorry, um, to fly out for a PS4 Pro event. And I was like, Because I didn't even pay attention to that. and like I didn't even, I barely criticized this. I said in a Kotaku comment. So uh, the amount that I care about this, I think, is a lot smaller than the amount that the Xbox Cretans thought I cared and they tweeted about. It. And and I should I should specify that I'm not talking about uh, uh, Xbox fans when I say yeah, that. I'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. some specific. Yeah, we know people.
3: exactly who you're talking about. Right, you, you right. gotta I I got to specify. Battle trouble on. for not
5: specifying before.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like name names because I feel bad because it's like, I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. punching down. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, to me it wasn't a big deal. Um, to, and I don't think to anyone else it was a big deal. Like I talked to my editor at Kodaka and he was like, what the fuck? Um, it, it just made no sense to me that people cared that much and I think it's it's just a lot of people who uh, uh, have their priorities in the wrong place, have too much time on their hands. The one thing I will say is I do think it's disappointing that Microsoft, um, Phil Spencer and Microsoft executives associate with some of those same people and like, tweet at them and uh, uh, treat them like they're not scumbags when they're Behavior on Twitter <laughs> shows, otherwise, but but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, mm. uh, but yeah,
0: to, I to, no, to give Phil some credit, I do know like he has blocked some of them, the worst ones he has blocked and uh denounced. Some of okay. them, so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Phil of them have been banned uh, I'll, from I'll, any like
1: Microsoft
5: that. events as well,
4: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like Phil Smith. I, I like, I mean, I, I, a lot of people I know at Microsoft are just good people, and I like that. And also, for what it's worth, something that I don't see mentioned a lot is that, like, these Microsoft fanboys who have M's in their Twitter, Twitter handles started it, started that practice after Scorpio News. Broke, and the person who broke that Scorpio news was me with Ooh, my coworker yeah. Keza McDonald at Kotaku. Okay. We were the ones who first reported on this. If you look it up, you find the Kotaku article where we broke the news that Scorpio existed in the first place. So, like, if they think that I'm biased, like, why would I be reporting on this news? I don't know. None of it makes sense to me. It's too many people with too much time on their hands.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So like you said, like it, the same thing happened last generation where you know people preferred the Xbox. Uh, 360 you know the media shined better light on it but it was reasonably so it was because it was the better console in you know most regards you know (laughs) so it it deserved to be spoken about more positively and like you said yeah the the competition is good because just now we heard uh we learned that uh, microsoft is doing the digital refund policy now Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah, yeah, hasn't even done that yet so the pressure uh, is on Microsoft to come up with these different ways to improve their platform, and they're doing it the same way Sony last gen Sony with the PlayStation 3. They were doing everything they could say. That's think why of. competition is good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What is the digital refund policy? You can do it from
3: uh, your dashboard. Uh, you can yeah, refund the game. Yeah. yeah. You, if you, unless you, As long as you play less than two hours uh I think oh, it's than that. you got two weeks it's to more do. than that it's two yeah. you can play two weeks hold oh, on you can play as much yeah.
1: as you No, it's it's two weeks it's two weeks oh
2: two weeks and two hours okay oh, and
1: okay. it's
4: also they were saying i just i just i actually just got a statement from microsoft on this on this they're saying they're just testing it out with xbox insiders now and then maybe i don't know we'll see what happens if they like expand it to all okay. xbox owners but yeah that's what i'm talking about when i say the competition is good
1: I'll be hey, a break, so I be I refunded it.
3: <laughs> I have a question um for Jason what's up with, with the lack of exclusives for Microsoft, is there anything that they can do to turn this around for them
4: um, yeah, I mean, like I said, if they can somehow get out this machine and price it affordably, so that means like $500 max, maybe uh, less would be ideal, $400 would be killer, and put this machine out and say, hey, this thing will run Red Dead at 60 frames a second. This thing will run Destiny 2 at 60 frames a second. This thing will run the new Batman game at 60 frames a second. If they can't do that and the PS4 isn't competing in that, and then they can get the controller in front of normal people and get them to see, because the difference between 60 frames a second and 30 frames is astounding. It's significant. The resolution stuff, I mean, that stuff is like, if you have a 4K TV, whatever, it'll look crisper, but the frame rate is the real difference. That's where their real meat and potatoes lie. So if they can get that machine, and they get the publishers and developers to participate, um, I think that could be good. Otherwise, I mean, if they make it an open machine, sort of PC-ish, that might be one possibility i mean i think it just needs to be different because this current route they can't compete with sony on exclusives i mean that is like a, a, a pretty much objective fact at this point if you just look at this year alone especially if you're into japanese games but uh uh yeah i think they need to do something different i think they can uh compete i think microsoft has the resources they have the marketing power they have the brand i wouldn't count them out uh, a weaker position than they were last generation, but yeah, I think the Scorpio can compete. My ideal scenario would be like a Scorpio that plays PC games and has Steam on it and stuff like that. I don't think that would ever happen, but, <laughs> but I would love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've never been, like, like, despite what some people think, uh, I've never actually been anti-Xbox or anti-Scorpio. I want them to do well. I want them to do something interesting and different.
5: Would you say uh, that Anything less than sixty frames is unplayable. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, I got one more question.
1: So if
3: if Microsoft is able to pull off, you know, the sixty frames per second difference and things like that, what should Sony do to answer? Um, I uh,
4: <laughs> I'm sure they'll have their own like PS4 Super Pro <laughs> next year. Oh, or something <laughs> like that. That's it. It feels like we're headed that way, right? Like it feels like we're we're headed towards these. Like quick iteration, sort of like phones, instead of the traditional console cycle that we've been used to. I mean, it feels like that's what what both of these companies are going for. You know, um, uh, like we could it could turn into this giant arms race with power, but it depends. I mean, even if don't get me wrong, even if Microsoft comes out with a Scorpio and it's it does play all these console games that at 60 frames per second, I mean, they still might not catch up to Sony just because at that point, the PS4 might be, I don't know, $200, $250. And that's the biggest difference, right? Like, that's why Microsoft, the biggest reason Microsoft is so behind at this point is because they came out at $500 and Sony Mm -hmm. came out at $400. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing. I think that's way bigger than power, way bigger than anything else. That's the the most important factor, you know?
5: Right, not right. to mention they came out at a hundred dollars more expensive with a weaker console.
4: Right, with a weaker console and Connect, which nobody wanted, and also yes. there's the whole the whole Xbox One like online only stuff that didn't help them right out the gate. They were just like a mess, um, having to move on from the Don Matrick era, and uh, uh, just launch this console like limping out the gate. But yeah, but the price <laughs> is the biggest thing, and that's the thing. Like the PS4 has so much momentum and so many better games at this point. Um, man horizon is like i i was just playing that uh i was just recording my own podcast actually Kotaku split screen uh to the shout out to those of you listening uh with ashley birch who is the voice actress behind uh horizons aloy and she's super cool and she was telling us all about it but yeah but that game is just so good and so unexpected because i didn't like any of the killzone games i didn't really care about them but uh to see this like incredible like one of the best-looking games I've ever played come out on the PS4 uh, uh, or come from the people named uh, who made Killzone, this open-world RPG. It was just super impressive. Um, But the point I'm making is that PS4 just has all these advantages right now that even if Scorpio is just the best thing since sliced bread, I think they will have a hard time catching up with Sony. Not that that matters, though, because if you're a gamer, who cares which console is ahead, unless you're one of those console war people, which, which we uh, uh, should stop giving attention to. No offense to, to those of you guys who, who are into you, the...
5: You mean like the people that cheer every month for who wins MPD,
4: right? <laughs> that makes no sense to me. Like, who cares? Uh, who cares who wins MPD? That, that matters so little to me. Man, it just blows my mind like it's interesting to know that microsoft is behind and to know that they'll have to recover but just like caring about who's winning and who's in second and who's in third just just has never made any
3: sense
0: to me right. hey
3: jason i got a question what's up uh, what is your thoughts on the nintendo switch
0: yeah we can <laughs> let's uh, switch over to That's that I
3: guess, right? <laughs> um yeah. i love my
4: switch it's funny so so i reviewed zelda and I, I was playing it for a while i thought zelda was just like i think it's one of the best games i've ever played i think it's a masterpiece um definitely the best zelda game i played it for a long time uh i the the system has really grown on me and i also uh, uh got my fiance, who she is not into gaming at all like barely plays games just watches me play games i gave her zelda and the switch and she's just played for seven hours straight, she like oh, wow. I, I have to take it away from her because she's so addicted to Zelda uh, that she just won't stop playing. She stays up until three a.m. on <laughs> work nights playing. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I love this system. I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, it's pleasantly surprising to see how well it's doing because that means more companies will come to support it, uh, hopefully get some good third-party support on there. I really like that you can take it anywhere because uh, I travel a lot and go on the subway a lot. Uh, uh, so I like being able to carry the console and play Zelda on the subway and play other games. I've been playing like Shovel Knight, which is really good, and other stuff that's on there. I- I'm a big fan so far. Uh, they did it pretty well.
5: So, uh, oh, look at Kofi
0: and Blandrew like me- celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> so me and a couple of others in here aren't the biggest, you know, Switch fans. You know, everybody uh-huh. knows that we're still skeptical and we still have our huge doubts about the um about the Switch going forward because the Wii U did do good early on. Mm-hmm. So do. You- I don't think so, but do you think it can, like, uh, going forward, like, in year uh, the two momentum. and three, maintain <laughs> and, and avoid the pitfalls, like, the, the huge game gaps yeah. that the, that the uh, Wii U had?
4: I don't know. Good question. I, I really don't know. I mean, that's that's the question everyone who, who has a Switch is asking. And, I mean, it seems like they have this good lineup for this year so far. Mario Odyssey might be incredible. Like, if that game is as good or even close to as good as Zelda is just for Mario, then this will be already, like, an all-time crazy good system. Um, I don't know. I'm optimistic. Nintendo has made so many dumb decisions in the Past few years, and really of all time, they just made some historically dumb decisions. Um, I'm a fan of classic games, so I would like to see what they do with the virtual console. I hope they really nail that this time um, and don't make me buy Super Mario 3 for the 20th time. Uh, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I try not to make predictions like, oh, this is going to be a huge success because I actually thought Wii U is going to be a big success. Oh, and, oh, uh, <laughs> we, we all saw <laughs> how that <laughs> worked out. out.
1: You yes. already know how they turned out. Yeah,
4: exactly. Um, But I don't know. I'm optimistic. I'm bullish, I would say. I really like the system. Like, to me, I've been comparing it to my Wii U gamepad. And my Wii U gamepad, it kind of feels like a a Fisher-Price toy almost. And the Switch feels like, wow, this is like a real adult console. This feels like a good machine that, like, I enjoy playing with and I enjoy holding in my hands in a way that the Wii U never felt like. So even just that and, like, the whole concept of it, I don't know. I'm pretty high on it, I would say. Um, I guess we'll see if they can actually keep up the software support. And like, get some good games on there. It's, it's, I'm optimistic, skeptical, but optimistic, cautiously optimistic, I guess I would say. Question so so for you.
5: Thank so, you would go. you call it a, a system for hardcore gamers that a grown man could back?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> <the> my <main> bar. That grown man could what? The heck,
5: heck, <laughs> Never mind.
2: <It's> <laughs> jack guy.
3: Yeah, I, I get it. I get it.
2: Uh, uh my yeah. question could I, um is about the switch. Um, oh, you alive?
3: Oh I didn't know you no, were no, no. No. okay go on switch up,
2: player. Uh, I'm I'm being respectful. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, the switch. Um, one of my problems You don't uh, have to be
4: respectful, by the way. We can get into it if you want.
1: Oh that's shit. Cool. shit. Hey, he pulled hey. up on you. All right. yes. <laughs> Jason got the Draco <laughs> right now.
3: <laughs> oh, that's not the- like
2: that. Um, one of my biggest uh issues with the switch is like one of the things I love about Xbox and even PlayStation, um, is like the whole online community and then your profile uh-huh. being able to like you know earn trophies and achievements. Uh, does that bother you at all about the switch not having that? Um so
4: sort of, right? So like I think it's it's so stupid that Nintendo is making you download a separate app for voice chat and stuff. And the fact that you need an app for like a friends list and I mean I don't know. We don't even know all the details, right? I, I haven't even seen all the details about how that's gonna work. Um but then the flip side is I don't really play a lot of online games on a Nintendo console, nor do I really want to. Um, on PS4 and Xbox, I'm a big Destiny fan, so I play a ton of Destiny um, but that to me like fits my online gaming capabilities. And like occasionally I'll play some Overwatch or like some Madden and stuff with some two K NBA two K stuff like that. But I would just play that on PS4 or Xbox anyway. So to me, I've never felt like I wanted to play a big online game on the Wii U or really any Nintendo console. I guess Smash Brothers is up there, but I don't know. I, that game was so laggy um, to play online uh, back when I was trying to play it, then I never got into that anyway. Um, and plus the Switch, I've, I feel like it's more like a portable than anything. I'm taking it around so much and playing it in bed and playing it while my fiance watches TV and stuff like that. So to me... The online stuff isn't really necessary i mean i still think it's stupid and i'm still gonna get nintendo a lot of shit for the app uh and if they're really if they really treat it as as <laughs> as ineptly as they have treated their online functions in the past but yeah but i don't know i'm not a big splatoon fan and i'm not a big mario kart online fan so to me it doesn't matter that much to other people like i understand if other people are more concerned about that though
0: so uh with, so we all know Nintendo has this like you know recent history of kind of leaving out features and creating consoles um, that are lacking in several areas. And we and they do things that we think like yo that's a no brainer. Why wouldn't you have that in, in your console? Yeah. Do you think it's it's them just being arrogant and not wanting to keep up with modern times? You know, c- compared to their contemporaries, or they're just really that ignorant. Like they didn't they don't know that they should have this in their console. Like what do you? like based on what you know.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I I think it might be the ignorance, because I actually heard a story. I heard a funny story. I don't remember this, and I might be mangling it, so apologies if this is wrong, or, like, paraphrasing or whatever. But what I heard was that uh, uh, someone asked Nintendo about Minecraft, because this was back in the day, like, a couple years ago in the Wii U days when Minecraft was on every platform except for Nintendos, and they were, and, like, Miyamoto and Iwata and the the top decision makers at Nintendo were like, oh, we've never played that. And so, to me, it feels like they've, they've They've kind of always been in their own bubble, just like only looking at their own games and not paying attention to anyone else. And that helped them in some ways because it allows them to make all these super cool, creative decisions. Um, like, I don't know if you guys... Are you guys are any of you guys big 3DS fans, like players? I've oh. had it. Yeah, okay, well, so... I
5: kind of disagree with you because when you look at Zelda, it's clearly uh-huh. borrowed from The Witcher. Right, right, right. It's right. clearly well... borrowed from Terraria. It's clearly borrowed from Far Cry. So they mm-hmm. have to be paying attention somewhat to the outside. Yo,
4: no, 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 no. Let me let me clarify. So uh, what I'm talking about is 3 4 years ago with the t- the top decision makers at Nintendo. Uh-oh, Zelda okay. was actually made. I mean, basically the director of Zelda, this guy Fuji Bayashi, um, is this totally like younger, in-touch dude who plays everything and like like clearly knew what he was doing. But yeah, but that's a totally separate thing. Um, I'm talking about like the real higher ups, the like Miyamoto, and that level of decision maker at Nintendo. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is with 3DS, the reason I brought that up is because on the 3DS, there's this thing called Street Pass, right? And I'm sure you guys know what that is. Basically, no. you go around and you connect with other people wirelessly who have 3DSs and you can get their like me's. they walk into your 3DS Street Pass Plaza, and you can like collect puzzle pieces, and there's all this like interesting interactive stuff you can do with it, and I guess it's not technically a game, but it's this weird fun thing that nobody else has done. And that's the type of thing that Nintendo has been able to innovate on because they're in their own world, right? So if they're in their own world, uh, that like has I just heard some like someone like going <laughs> their lawn, not like,
2: no,
4: pulling up a generator, it just felt <laughs> like someone was like like starting a car, it up a card, yeah, it's not the go
2: kart, yeah,
4: um. But yeah, Nintendo, like like being them being in their own world had its pros and its cons. That's what my point is. I think these days they're more in touch and they've gotten more into like the rest of the world, um, and been playing other stuff and paying attention to other stuff. I think the Wii U was kind of a rude awakening for them and made them realize they need to uh, uh pay attention to the PS4 and Sony and Microsoft and what their competitors are doing. And I think we'll start to see the effects of that in the in the coming years. Um. But we'll, we'll see. Okay. Um, you really think that
5: uh, Breath of the Wild is the best Zelda?
4: I really do. Man, I, the more I think about it, the more I love that game. Like, I've been replaying it, actually. Even after beating it, I still there's still so much I have to see and go in there. To me, the way I like to describe it is that, like... Previous Zelda games were often about what you can't do, right? So like, hey, I just saw this wall with cracks in it. Oh, I can't do anything until I get the bombs and come back, right? And that was like an interesting design choice. But this Zelda... Flips that on its head, and it's all about what you can do. Like, you see a mountain and you can climb up it, you see a tree and you can chop it down, and then float on the log in the river and shoot people while you're doing it. And it's just this crazy game full of all these possibilities and just the number of things that people are doing and all the weird experiments that people are doing. Man, th- this game, yeah, this is a special game. I, think. I do
5: agree with that. I just didn't appreciate the lack of dungeons and the lack of bosses.
4: Yeah, I see I it. It's just a work. different type of I would like to see them do more traditional Zeldas, maybe on like like uh, uh a 2D traditional Zelda, kinda like Link Between Worlds or something like that. Which is a very in good addition. Game. Yeah, oh yeah, I love that game too. I'm a huge Zelda. Zelda might be my favorite one of my favorite series, so I'm a huge Zelda fan. Um, what do you
5: think about The Witcher?
4: I love The Witcher, The Witcher Three. <laughs> actually that's a story in my book, Witcher Three gets a chapter. I went to Poland and visited those guys oh. uh, at C D Project Red for, for my thought. book. Really have cool. So I
5: have to buy this book now.
4: Yeah, man. Pre-order now. <laughs> I, I like to joke that if you pre-order, you get a you get a exclusive DLC. But I need to think of some good DLC to to give people if they pre-order.
3: <laughs> give them like five more pages or something. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah exclusive pages. But then I'll give them away afterwards. Uh, uh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, let
1: me ask a quick question while y'all while I got a second real fast. Um, What's up? as a, as a journalist in the industry, has anybody ever approached you, or company, anything to try and give you like an incentive to speak positive about their products?
4: Man, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. So one time, here's the thing. So so Kotaku, I think Kotaku has a reputation of being uh, a kind of like roguish while doing our own thing, which I think is a good thing. Like, I like that. Um, but for that reason, I think people know better than to approach <laughs> us with that stuff because here's the thing. If someone from any company, let's say uh, what's the company we haven't talked about? Ubisoft, right? If someone from, or you know what, Bethesda because they blacklisted us, so this oh, no, really?
1: is an So
4: Yeah, I can Whoa. tell that story in a bit if you want. But so Bethesda, let's say someone from Bethesda came to me and said, hey, Jason, we have the new uh, uh prey game coming out next month i want you to give it a positive review i will give you five thousand dollars if you do this right i would write about it on kotaku and i think they know <laughs> that i would do that so i think they know better and actually funny story so last year we got an email from someone um i need to figure out who it was man i i don't even remember it was like i'm gonna try to look it up in a sec but it was this company that was like looking for uh uh video makers to participate in this like paid uh uh active like uh what's it called uh, uh influencer program where Wait, okay. like they pay you and you play their game and you say these things and so i responded to them i was like oh interesting can you send me all the guidelines and so they sent me the guidelines for like what you have to say and here's what you
1: really? can't say i didn't even know that. Okay.
4: Yeah. Oh, here, I found it. Okay, so with Star Trek Online, if you go to Kotaku and you look up this game, it's called, uh, the article, it's called Some Real Rules for Shilling Video Games on YouTube because what happened was when when they sent me the, the guide, I just published it on Kotaku because, I, that's, I mean, that's what we do. We expose things like this. So now if you go read that article, you can see like the type of thing mm-hmm. that a company like Perfect World, the company behind the Star Trek Online game, what they pay YouTubers to say on their videos.
0: Wow. Oh, so that's real. Like, like wow. the shadow of Mordor situation. Yeah, <laughs>
4: exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I honestly think that like nobody would well, first of all, let me let me preface this by saying that I don't really think that there's a lot of like bribery or anything like that going on. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. the way the companies influence journalists is a lot more subtle than straight up bribery or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, but if anyone came to us and tried to do that, we would just publish it on Kotaku. So I think they know better, you know what I mean?
1: Okay, okay. Okay, I got a quick question.
3: Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, with that being said, uh-huh. do you think the whole digital foundry and Microsoft thing was tainted in any way being that they paid for them to come out? Um no, not really. I mean, That's normal I just
1: business, right? That's normal business, right? Well,
3: no, because
4: uh, journalists don't have to do that. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be like I don't want to sit here and judge Eurogamer and Digital Foundry. And for what it's worth, I think Eurogamer does some incredible work. Mm-hmm. You guys might remember they said uh they they were the ones who broke the news of the Switch in the first place and like nailed it last year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like Eurogamer a lot, so so I don't really want to sit here and like criticize them and second guess their decisions. Yeah. I don't. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't accept travel from publishers uh, for a number of reasons.
1: Really,
4: it, it kind of no. We never do that. We have a policy. We don't. We don't go. Uh, if we go to events, we pay for our own travel, and uh, we don't accept. Hotels. We don't accept accommodation, really? sites From publishers. I'll accept if a PR person is like, "Hey, I'm paying for lunch." I'll say yes to that because it's just more awkward than saying no, and it's not a big deal. But like, you want to accept travel or anything like that?
1: Really? That's interesting. Okay, I thought I figured that was just normal business. See. No,
4: no, no, no. I, I I think a lot of company uh, press. Uh, companies don't. I think Polygon also doesn't accept travel. I think it's pr- it's more standard to not um, to be
1: neutral to keep to stay more neutral, right? On TV. yeah, it's it's okay. like
4: there are a ton of factors. It's like even even if you know in your head I am going to be fair and honest no matter what, it's still like this tiny little thing, like this subconscious yeah. influence, and it's like, hey, I'm kind of. Uh, uh, grateful to be so nice i can't
1: say nothing bad yeah yeah yeah
4: Yeah. exactly um but honestly i think the the i'm more concerned about the whole like exclusive pr reveal and like it was more the language of their reveal that kind of threw me a little bit than the paying. um Mm -hmm. but whatever i mean it's that's the business you see that all the time um i think kotaku is a little bit different in how we do things like i don't think we do a lot of exclusive we never. we don't do pr exclusive reveals or anything like that um but every uh website and and press outlet just just handles things differently so it happens i mean no big deal
5: Dude, yeah, it's you're kind of kind of quiet over this. What's going on? You sound like cool. your mind's
3: blown. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening.
3: And Jason not ducking that fade. So I,
2: ain't, I, ain't. I, I, I mean, I'm just his thing. I have there's no ill will towards uh, Jason because he answered the question. Because my thing is when you was talking about the whole um them flying out Digital Foundry. I was like, well, well, Sony def- definitely did that with the PlayStation 4 Pro, but you already covered that. So I was like, well. I have no really okay nothing okay. to combat that because he already answered that and he said he didn't know so I was like oh okay well I was like it, it, my thing all right you no know I do want to talk about this
1: oh.
2: right. <laughs> right. oh, bring talk it on bring oh, it on all, right. all right let it out uh, here's the thing and I think this is why a, a lot of people really kind of just uh, got at your Twitter is because after the. <laughs> <All> right, <guys. laughs> after, after, yeah. after the news broken we finally got the specs because we were really only promised like the specs analyst is like the first thing you kind of really said like you didn't really promote your like your article you just said well if they don't have the games these specs lose nothing and that, that's how you presented your article and that was just like well why the shade you know what i mean <laughs> can you just tell us about like what your thoughts are on the specs. And I felt like your Twitter post kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And it came, it became like the common theme for even uh, other uh, journalists who kind of just threw their like two cents. Oh, without the games, this. is like, well, today wasn't about the games. It was kind of just what's going to be under the hood and we're going to find out about the games like in June. like. And, and that's where I kind of had like – I don't want to say I had a problem, but I was just like, well, I don't think that was actually necessary. We kind of understand if it has no games, then – they are doomed, but so I didn't understand why it was necessary. Isn't that though what console gamers say a lot about PC
5: gaming? Oh, I don't care how powerful it is; it doesn't have games I'm interested in.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, let me show you something. How can I can I show you guys a tweet and like put it up on the stream? Is that if possible
0: could, at all? Uh, if you could uh, send it to me in a DM, I could uh, bring it up on the screen.
4: Okay. Can I put it here? I'm gonna put it in the chat here. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Bring it up. Can that you way. see
4: that? Can you guys see that?
0: Yeah, I'll bring it up right now.
4: Okay. I want I want smooth to see that. <laughs> <laughs> this is from September seventh, two 2016 PS4 Pro event okay
3: <laughs> smooth
2: your comments
4: you think you? do you think I'm do you still think I'm biased or what
2: hey I didn't t- I never said you were biased I uh-huh. said I understand why you were getting the heat uh, but now but here let me be real with you Jason alright <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> 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 your name <laughs> Your name didn't come across my feed. Obviously, I there's a lot of pe- Xbox people that follow me. You a call lot them of, bots. And a lot of bots <laughs> that I follow, so that's how your name came into light. Then, um, for me to see the whole like the Scorpio reaction, but okay, see, all right, this helps. Hopefully, the X ex- Xbox that are watching this see that this did happen before on the other end. So I, like I said, this is why I'm quiet because he kind of like.
5: Smooth, your problem is this. See, Xbox fans will recognize it, but anybody that's an Xbox, they're irrational, illogical, and cannot be reasoned with.
0: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, just to go back, uh, real quick, um, yeah, like you said about like because there's always this, uh, especially in comment sections, people always bring up the you know, it's really only when the media says something they don't like, you know, people always bring up, oh, they're paid off, oh, the check must have not cleared, that's why this game got this rating Uh uh-huh so yeah like you said like this is as far as you know um there's not any like widespread scandal of companies paying off the media uh (laughs) there's none of that going on if if i knew
4: that if i knew that do you know how happy i would be like that would be one of the biggest stories i ever wrote on Kotaku. like i would be investigating that shit and reporting that like that would make me so happy if there's some huge scandal that i could cover like i love (laughs) I mean, I, I I don't know if you guys, well, so like like what I spend my days doing and trying to do is like as much investigating things and reporting on things as I can. And oftentimes in games, a lot of the stories that you see and the news you see is kind of boring, kind of industry focused or like product focused where like, oh, this company releases press release. Oh, this game just came out. Let's check it out. But one of the things that I really like doing is like real stories about behind the scenes of games or companies and interesting stuff like that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book was to tell like real stories like that. So if there was a story about uh, companies paying off press and there's some widespread scandal, man, that would be that would make me so happy. I would I'm maybe not happy, but that would make me so excited just to report on it and write about that. I wish that was happening, but no, it, it, it is not unfortunately um, um maybe think like about
5: the Gertzman gamestop Kane and Lynch thing when it that happened? was
4: interesting but even that was like like that is uh uh well I guess I was kind of direct pressure of like them wanting to change a review score but the fact that you guys can still bring that up and it happened in 2007 shows how rare that is um at the major outlets if that was happening more I, it would come out and it would be publicized I mean the thing that excuse me the thing you have to know about journalists um and i say this as someone who hangs out with a lot of press people on different uh from different sites and outlets and stuff uh, at e3 and all the events i see a lot of people like these people are my friends and and colleagues um they all like to fucking gossip and talk so if there was stuff like that happening it would get around and people would know about it and i would try to report it on kotaku um the worst thing that happens is a lot of more subtle stuff. Uh, I think a lot of the, the exclusive reveal stuff can be uh, influencing people in subtle ways because if you're relying on a company um, to, to give you an exclusive reveal or something, then you kind of feel obligated to them. Like, for example, and I don't want to pick on Eurogamer at all, um, but let's say, okay, let's give a hypothetical, a hypothetical situation, right? So let's say that video game website X um videogamefans.com i don't know if that's a real website but if it is sorry to videogamefans.com but this is our made up our made up website right so videogamefans.com they just made an arrangement with Sony to reveal the next Uncharted on their website in two weeks or something, and they're going out to Naughty Dog, and they're finding out all about it, and they're going to do a big exclusive reveal. Okay, let's say a week later, someone from Sony comes up to to videogamefans.com and says, hey, guys, you guys are my favorite website. I work for Sony. I'm a whistleblower. Sony is treating me like shit, like they're sexually harassing people. They're forcing me to work overtime, blah, blah, blah. I needed to expose this. Do you think that website would still listen to this guy and follow his story if they're also agreeing, working on this ex- big exclusive on the next uncharted with Sony?
0: Interest, right?
4: Yeah. So, well, so it's not not so much a conflict of interest, but like they would be worried about hurting their relationship with Sony, and right. that's the most important thing. That's the biggest thing that that influences press these days way more so than anything what? direct. This is like super subtle stuff. It, the- like.
2: Here's my thing about it. I feel like um, Microsoft has gone like a inexpensive way uh-huh. to reveal their work instead of uh, setting up a venue to do like this big reveal. Why not do it uh, through the press, one uh, outlet at a time?
4: What do you mean? Why not the? Why not to?
2: You know how uh, uh, traditionally there's like a big event, like how Sony. Oh right, right, right.
4: right. I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. It makes no sense to me, but but whatever. I mean, that's that's their prerogative. Um, but my point is that like I think one of the things that Kotaku, uh, that I re- the to the credit of the people above me who protect me from a lot of stuff is that like we don't really uh care that we care about our relationships with companies and people. We definitely care about our relationships, but if we always choose the story and our readers over uh uh those relationships so for example bethesda they blacklisted us because we were reporting on stories that they didn't want us to report on so uh uh that like that's the sort of thing that i think affects a lot of different gaming outlets you know more so than like bribery or anything like that i think it's a lot more subtle than that
0: right so um that what you said made me think of a metal gear solid 5 because i if i remember right with metal gear like Konami flew out all the reviewers for that game, right? And made them, they made them stay there and play Metal Something. Gear Solid 5. Like, I don't think, as far as I know, like, nobody was sent out reviewing No,
4: them. that's not true. I got a copy. I reviewed okay. it. And they sent me a copy. I
0: know they, they flew some people out there and made them play the game. So Yeah, I think
4: it was – it might have been smaller sites, and I, I think they sent out copies to some of the bigger ones who they knew wouldn't fly out there. Because, like, if they said to me, for example, hey, we're not going to send you copies, so you have to come to our event, we just wouldn't go, and we'd just go and buy the game when it came out and review it then. Um But I think that – because we're just so uninterested in that sort of thing these days. But uh, no, they sent me a copy. Uh, I reviewed it. Uh, I remember that game. uh, I remember. It was like a
3: review review boot camp or something.
4: Yeah, Yeah, those things are pretty common actually. Um, These days I think it happens with YouTubers a lot more often, influencers, quote-unquote, where they like to fly those guys out, those guys and gals out and – have them come and play the game and and cap footage and stuff, but uh, no, I've actually I've never been to a review event, um, in the years that I've been working, we're we're not super into it. We don't do it, uh, uh, do those things a lot.
0: Um, going back to Nintendo, so this is something that we've uh said on this podcast. We feel this way a little bit, sure. Um, that because of nostalgia, you know, it tugs at, at some people's heartstrings. I guess uh, that certain Nintendo franchises are held at a more lenient standard when reviewed because you know it 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 is a game from our childhood you know it's when we started playing games like Zelda like I don't doubt you know that Zelda um you know is an amazing game but you know we might feel like because of nostalgia it's I guess, championed or, you know, praised a little bit more. Not only Zelda, just o- overall Nintendo games You're are a slow maybe, it, maybe a different standard um, than other games from other companies in the industry. Do you feel that way at all, like, you know, Nintendo just has this kind of leniency because of their history? It's,
4: it's possible. possible. I mean, I... I like I certainly try to think about that sort of thing when I'm reviewing games I mean so I grew up with Final Fantasy and I actually reviewed the newest Final Fantasy 15 for Kotaku Um, and I tried to make it clear actually writing in that review that I am a huge Final Fantasy fan and that you have to take this review coming from you see the thing about biases like that and like nostalgia and feelings and personal object or subjectivity is that I think as long as the reviewer or the writer the journalist is honest about that and open about that and kind of makes it clear to readers how they feel about something i think that's uh uh, fine because there's no way to be objective right i I can't there's no way for me to be like all right i'm gonna sit down and play final fantasy 15 and pretend that i didn't grow up with final fantasy and pretend that i didn't have all these fond memories of those old games right so uh, the best way in my opinion to to uh approach this stuff is to just kind of address your biases and be honest about them and and try to be as transparent as possible with readers um and that's always been kind of our mentality on Kotaku is just like to to be as open as possible and honest as possible and not try to pretend we're all like cold unfeeling machines and stuff some like that of, some of us are though what's up
5: some of us are though
4: that's true uh, uh smoothest uh,
0: i guess it was it might have been some of the uh guys i don't know who it was but i know on us on twitter like the xbox community they were kind of shaming they dug up what you said in 2014 i don't know how the hell they found this but you pretty much you said nobody at kotaku ever claimed to be objective and object objectivity is a silly thing to strive for yeah that's
4: exactly what i'm talking about like i think that i've always been of the belief that object to, and i think people interpret that as thinking like oh jason's uh, oh jason hates xbox jason loves playstation whatever but that's not what i meant when i said that and i actually i wrote a thing on kazaku that kind of tried to expand upon that cuz twitter i mean twitter is a fucking garbage website like there's no way to to extrapolate <laughs> meaning from a 140 character tweet right so When I said that, what I mean is that it's more important to be open and honest and transparent and for me to say, yeah, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan, so when you read my Final Fantasy 15 review, know that I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. As opposed to me saying, oh, I'm this objective reviewer who is going to pretend that I've never played a Final Fantasy game or whatever. Like, that's impossible. That's what I mean when I say objectivity is impossible. Or, like, like when I when we report on things, we call out bullshit and, like, we try to be open about things, which is uh, uh, the sort of thing I mean. Like, I, I don't believe in uh, uh, pretending to be objective Uh at the cost of transparency. I believe in radical transparency and being open and honest over over trying to be objective or whatever. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
4: I
3: have a quick question uh, before you get out of here. For people that want to get into journalism, uh, what steps should they take, and how did you get started?
4: Man, I mean, it's much harder these days than when I got started. I got started like um, eight years ago, something like that. Uh, When I finished college, I started freelancing and just like pitching myself. And eventually I got this gig that was like a contributing writer job for Wired for the magazine's website, Wired.com. And then after a couple of years of just freelancing and not making a lot of money, eventually uh, I got hired by Kotaku. Um, and I've been there for five years now. Yeah. So it's really hard to break in. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, these days, I think it's important to be able to do video and podcasts and all that stuff. Um, I think it's, it's still just as important to, uh, uh, pitch and be freelancing a lot. Um, the most important advice I think, if I were to give one piece of advice to people, it would be to specialize. Um, I think people are more interested. Like if I'm looking for a freelancer, I'm looking. I'm more interested in someone who uh, is specialized in one particular thing, like esports or like. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Hearthstone or whatever. Like I'm more interested in someone who's like a super expert in their field rather than someone who's like, oh, I can review anything. I'm way more interested in specialization. I think that can be really helpful. Um, But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I wouldn't recommend trying to break into this industry just because there's so few jobs and so many people who want it. Um, But if you were really, really set on it, then... Yeah, specialization, reading a lot, writing a lot, doing a lot of video, um, to being willing to do as much as possible.
0: Right. Um. Another question I want to ask. Real quick. Um. So, third party, uh, partnerships, deals, marketing deals, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Those were just seen, seen as the norm last generation. You know, they were even celebrated to to an extent last year generation. Now, it's kind of like looked down upon. It's shamed. Um. Uh, you know, Sony obviously has no issue with it now. They're doing it like crazy. But Microsoft is now spe- specifically Phil Spencer. He's kind of turned against that culture. Um, and he's like kind of de- denounced it. Uh-huh. And a lot of people, you know, don't like it, don't like it anymore. Um, what What is what is your take on it?
4: I think it's always been bullshit. Um, I think that the the fact that Destiny players on PS4 get stuff that Destiny players on Xbox One don't, I think is so fucked up. I I don't think that's okay at all. Um, I I think that it hurts people. I think it's literally companies like like when Sony does that, they're literally paying money so that Xbox players cannot get something, which is just super screwed up. Um, I don't know, Phil. Does Phil Spencer really say that? Because they're into exclusives too. They're getting that shit for uh, DLC on the division and stuff like that. Like that. That is. It's happening on on both Xbox and. Yeah, PlayStation. what I
0: remember him tweeting was that I think he might have said like um, that's a lot of that stuff was in place before him, but he's not yeah. a personal fan of it. I believe.
4: Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, yeah, well, if he is being honest about that, then I'm with him there. I I think that exclusives. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about like first party exclusives where Sony or Microsoft make their own games or their own platforms, that's a different thing. But in terms of uh, uh, paying a third-party publisher to deprive your competition of content, that's just screwed up. I mean, that's not cool. It just hurts people. It's just like like not good for customers.
0: Okay. okay. Hey,
3: Jason, uh, Hardy here. What's up? <laughs> uh, I have a fun question. Okay. <laughs> Uncharted 4, did you happen to complete that game? I did. Uh, what difficulty did you complete it on?
4: oh man i don't even remember whatever normal is i guess i usually play things on normal
3: oh, okay okay okay, cool yeah that was a
2: heartache failed attempt to try to uh roast <laughs> <as well. And laughs> it didn't work. thank you and that twice. was a fun
0: question calm down in this podcast i guess you know we're real competitive right uh-huh. and we, like, pride ourselves on you know um how many games we beat you know the difficulty we beat them on and smooth had a little bit of a hard time beating uh and chart it off.
5: A hard time. That's, that's, a, that's another thing. That's <laughs>
0: Yeah,
4: we're just- I will say the one game that I can beat anybody in, and probably beat any of you guys in, is threes, the phone game, because <laughs> <laughs> I play that all the time, and I have, I probably have one of the highest scores in the world on that game. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm not good. Comp- I like, I'm, I don't know, I'm not good enough at any. I play a lot of StarCraft. I used to play back in the day, but other than that, I'm not that at least great. These
5: casuals don't know about that game. What's that? These casuals don't know about that game. About threes. No,
4: Starcraft. Oh, Starcraft. Yeah, I used to play that. Ba- way back in the day, like when Starcraft Two first came out, I used to play a lot and I got to like the Diamond rank, um and I was pretty good. But these days, yeah, the problem is for my job, I have to play so many games every week that uh, i I don't really have time to dedicate the amount of time it would take to get crazy good at a game Um, so I can't be I mean I would say I'm fine at games in general but I I wouldn't say I'm like super good at at a lot of them except for threes.
0: Due due to your job are you sometimes like have no choice but to play through a shitty game like just because you got to review it?
4: Yeah, sometimes. Um, Not so much anymore because Kotaku is a lot more selective about what they review. Um, Back in the day when I was freelancing, I had to review some really bad games. Um, And (laughs) that was not fun. Just because, like, when you're freelancing and you're trying to do reviews for people, they'll assign you the ones that nobody else wants to do. So (laughs) they wind up being bad games. Um, These days, not that much anymore. I mean, a, a few... Excuse me. I played a few clunkers uh, uh, for Kotaku, but usually I have the luxury to only play stuff that I'm really into. And, can
1: can yeah. I ask you a quick question about that since you're talking sure. about reviews? Um, sure. This is something that a lot of people are going to want to know your take on it. Um... How far do you think a person needs to get into a game before they can review? It?
4: Oh, man, that's a good question. I I don't think there's an easy answer to that. So like, I
1: think so either. <laughs> all right, so
4: so an ideal world, the answer would be, oh, they have to finish it, right? Thank like that. Right. That's the ideal world. But right. in the real world, that's tough, right? So like, right. I reviewed Xenoblade back in 2012, and that came to the US. What for do a you week. think about that game? So uh, so I actually didn't like it. I wasn't what? a big fan. Um, no. Believe it or not, it just yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I'm a big JRPG fan. That's I just what I'm like saying. It. Yeah, so, so back then um, I actually was supposed to review it and I played about 35 hours and I was just like, I don't want to play anymore. But <laughs> it would have taken me another 35 hours to review it. So I just ran a review and again, that's not ideal but I felt comfortable enough that I could talk about it in an interesting yeah. way. <laughs> um, I tried to never do that with Zelda. I had to play like 60 or 70 hours before uh, uh, reviewing it and finishing it up and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I ideally, Finish a game. There are circumstances when I think it's okay to review a game without finishing it. Like if you get to the final boss and you're about to hit deadline, or like Mm -hmm. if a game is bad, the thing about reviewing games is like if a game is bad after 20 hours, it's probably not going to get better. You can probably safely say, Hey man, this game is bad. So uh, there's definitely an argument to be made. But yeah, in an ideal world, uh, right. I would say right. you should just finish all games before reviewing
5: yeah, what about, what about them. What about 8%? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I eight, well if later. you finish 8% of a game, do you think you should be able to write a review for it?
4: I feel like you're setting me up for something here.
2: It's another attempt on me. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, this is what they do.
0: They do. They just
2: like they like having valid they, they seek validation from other sources. <laughs> hey Smooth, I love you, bro. Yeah,
0: I think this was about Forza Horizon 3 because Smooth uh uh finished eight percent in Forza Horizon and they were saying that That wasn't enough for him to review the game. But I don't know, it's a racing game, so and I'm not into racing games, so I don't know what eight percent is equivalent <laughs> don't to. You know the what eight percent
3: of a hundred is.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: oh,
3: <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs>
2: Eight <laughs> percent
0: in a racing game is very different from eight percent in like 8% uh, an adventure
1: a business game. Eight percent is eight percent. playing all the tracks. Eight percent of the content. You know
0: what? Hold up, though. I'm
4: after you beat the new Zelda. There's like a percentage meter in the bottom left. I played like eighty hours of that game. I beat that game. Mine says thirteen percent. So you know what? Damn. Sometimes yeah, those things. The get... yeah,
5: because the they content. have
1: all the, they have all those collectibles. You're not gonna. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's the content. It's the amount of content. At least right, you so, beat it, though. So, so that's what I'm
4: saying. Those things can be misleading is what I'm saying. The percentages.
0: Exactly. So I don't that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know what eight percent is a is a racing game. Percentage right. is different in every game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. just the content, man. That's all. Eight yeah.
3: percent is very early in
0: the game. That's
3: what
0: it is. Um, um, yeah, you failed. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is are is or maybe uh more than one, um, the main um factors that contributed to Sony's success with the PS4 this generation. I mainly um uh,
4: i think it's a bunch of stuff like i think like we were mentioning before i think a lot of it is the xbox just limping out of the gate and having to deal with all those early problems with the online stuff and connect and the price um a big part of it was they had a really good uh uh just like set of games right out of the gate in terms of hyping things up um there are a lot of good third-party stuff that seemed to run better on ps4 which i think helped a lot like back then when people were making their decisions everyone was like oh this runs at at 1080p on ps4 and 900p on on uh xbox one so i'll probably just get a ps4 right um that's why I remember that being a big factor. The $400 versus $500, that's the biggest factor, I would say. Okay. Um, the E3 2013, I remember Sony had the most impressive conference, and they were showing off a ton of cool stuff. Um, I remember they... First revealed Uncharted four, then I think, or maybe that was the year after. No, that was the year after. Yeah, year no, after, year after. That year, they really they uh, there's a Final Fantasy fifteen and Kingdom Hearts three, and uh, they were talking about stuff like the Order, which turned out to suck. But back then, everyone thought it could be cool, um, and a bunch of other games that they were showing. Destiny was there. Uh, I remember they had a really impressive conference back then um and yeah the price that was the biggest point that was the biggest uh, uh difference i would say that was the biggest factor that sony had
0: okay a few more questions we're gonna get you out of here um okay so this is a this is a debate we've had on here before in terms of uh graphics uh, versus gameplay versus story well really just between gameplay and graphics right i mean gameplay and story because i think it What? how did i pose the question i i think i told them like i would rather deal with a game that has uh good a gameplay really, and a, a bad story, really bad story and you're at least play. average gameplay than a game with bad, really bad gameplay and an average story because I feel like you can at least ignore the story, but you can't ignore <laughs> gameplay. So let I'm me sure.
4: let me answer that question by saying that I'm a Destiny fan.
0: <laughs> oh well, okay, we see what you're going to. All right. I, I see where you go. So you <laughs> would you would somewhat agree that like even if it has a really bad story, you can somehow push your way through it. If it yeah, it depends on the game.
4: It depends on the type of game, right? With Destiny, it's like, I'm playing that because I want to hang out with my friends and shoot a bunch of aliens, right? But with something like uh, 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 Uncharted, since we were talking about that, that is a game where if you're not into the story, there's no point in playing because it's kind of a, a narrative-focused game, right?
3: Yep. Or like a
4: JRPG so you, or something like you that. You to need to be special,
1: right?
3: It would have to be like, if you base it on a story driven game, Right, Destiny is not really a story-driven game, so I can <laughs> Destiny understand. doesn't have a story. No, he pretty, was not, right. pretty much. So story. I can understand okay. why somebody can play Destiny all day if the right. story sucks. But right. a game like you said, like Uncharted or Last of Us, those are story-driven games. So the story
0: got to be good to actually want to play. My yeah, opinion.
4: exactly, exactly.
0: Right. Okay. Um. And as far as so uh, another thing we've talked about here, relatability. Uh, as far as like characters go, because um, I think it's like, I think oh, it's bond, like bond. Oh, you talking about the a- oh, man. They they feel like they can't. And, and another guy we know in this community called Rev. Like he has a problem. Um, Rev has the most severe problem. Like he doesn't want to play uh, as characters as that he can't relate to at all, such as like uh-huh. maybe a little girl or 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 a, a woman in some circumstances because in they all like, circumstances. Um yeah, so they feel like so what do you think about people who say they can't they can't relate to a character so they can't really play that game?
4: I feel like that's the same line of logic that the white supremacists use in saying, like, oh, characters shouldn't be black in, in games like these social justice warriors." Like I, I I think that's kind of bullshit. I feel like a good character when you watch a movie or play a game or tell any or read like follow any sort of story, I feel like you a character is relatable if it's a good character. It has nothing to do with like who you are as a person. Um, I don't um, know. I'm let me get
5: more specific. Yeah, okay. I'm an adult. I don't feel like playing a game when the main character is a five-year-old.
4: what if it's a really good game about a five year dude, one of the best games I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying it's one of the the best games in the past generation, The Last of Us starred a ten year old girl. I don't I don't
3: play. Well, I think Joel was the the star, right? But, right. Yeah, I well, mean, I mean,
4: I mean the sequel will star. Uh, maybe she'll be a little older. Maybe she'll be thirteen. I don't she'll know. I I think, the think the that's God. kind of bullshit. I think that it depends. Like, I think a really good story can help you relate no matter who it is. And like, I I, I don't know. I'm like a straight white Jewish dude, and I don't want to play games yeah, with people. Well, that look I can't
5: okay. get away from Jewish people.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's Jews that's kind of like anti-Semitic, but okay.
5: No, my girlfriend, my girlfriend is Jewish. We had the whole. Oh, you had to figure out a
3: way. To, f- to move- <laughs> <laughs> and squeeze his real life into this shit. Now, <laughs>
4: um, but yeah, no. My point is, like, I don't want. I want to play games with all sorts of characters. I want to play games with with people who look like me and people who don't look like me. I want to play more games with black protagonists, more games with female protagonists, more games with like Asian protagonists. I want to play. I think stories can be more interesting with really diverse characters. You know what I mean? Like, I I I think I'm I'm super pro diversity in games. I feel like that. Helps make for better stories than anything. Um, so even kids, I don't know if it's a really good story. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of stories that I've enjoyed. Like there are a lot of JRPGs that store star kids that I've enjoyed um,
5: back in the day. But now it just makes it seem stupid. Though no, like, I, I no, I just think that. Games.
4: I disagree with that. I I think that that as long as it's it's like really good writing and really good storytelling, then it doesn't really matter if it's a kid or an adult or black or white or whatever. I think the storytelling is what matters.
0: Okay. Um, Does anybody have any last, you know, maybe one more for Jason? Because we got to get him out there. Smooth smooth your last chance. (laughs) (laughs) Ever hold your peace? You good?
2: I I don't have any... Beef, there's a lot of other uh, people I would like uh, to speak with, but uh, no, it's been a pleasure speaking um, with you. Um, will you be at uh, E3 this year?
4: I will. I will be at E3.
2: Great. I look forward to seeing you there. So if you slip up, that's when we could have a conversation.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, I'm. I got a few more minutes if you guys want to keep. I'm willing to go at it about anything. <laughs> I'm pretty opinionated. I I don't have uh, uh, any like. There's nothing I won't talk about. So if you want to ask me anything, I'm oh, here.
3: I got a question for you. Yeah, sure, hit me. Anybody out there that is like a real Xbox fan, would uh-huh. you like to give them any advice on who they should stay away from?
4: <laughs> who they should. What do you mean?
3: As far as like who they shouldn't follow, who they shouldn't watch,
0: and things. are you? No, I like I said.
4: No, nah, dude, I don't want to get into
0: naming oh, names. Like because there, there are mm-hmm. some. I think, uh, Jason probably knows because this, this guy has like been blackballed by the whole industry. I don't want to shout. let's not shout him out in this podcast. Let's not do that. We, we, you know, like, not giving no shout outs. Um, uh, I guess like GameStop, we, GameStop has some, um, I'm sure you've heard, I think Kotaku definitely wrote about this, like mm-hmm. GameStop shady business. What do you, yeah, think- I was, uh,
4: I've been reporting on that. That's why my whole thing is like the circle of life program. I've been reporting on that for, for
0: uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. How did you? Is is that like? Did you learn about that situation the same way you learn about the other stuff y'all broke? Like,
4: um, so that in particular, actually, I saw people on Reddit talking about it before I started reporting on it, and then I started reaching out to people, and then what happened was, um, I. After I started writing about it, a lot of other GameStop people came to me and uh, uh, started telling me their own stories and it wound up turning into a whole big thing. I got—I heard from a couple hundred people. Um, I actually didn't even have the, the, I wasn't able to respond to everybody. So, so apologies to those people who I didn't get a chance to. But yeah, that was a, a, a really like screwed up story. I think they're still having some issues, GameStop. I mean, that company is just like going downhill fast. Uh, uh, which, I don't know, I guess was inevitable, and more and more people are moving digital, so it makes sense.
0: Um, People wanted to know, I guess, a little bit more details about the Blacklist story from Bethesda.
4: Oh, sure, yeah. It's a funny story. Um, So, okay, so 2013, right? So this is a bit of a long story, but I'll I'll just tell the whole thing. So in, like, uh, April of 2013, 2013 was a year where we kind of inadvertently, almost accidentally, wound up posting a lot of stories that were about stuff that Bethesda didn't want people to know, right? So, in in April of 2013, I ran a story that was kind of an investigation into what had gone wrong with the Doom game, which now uh, came out and was really good, but back then was going through development hell and having all sorts of issues and getting rebooted, and so I wrote a story about that. Then, in May, I wrote a story reporting that Arcane Austin, which is the guys who made Dishonored, that They were working on the new Prey game, right? Um, So what was interesting, what happened with that was that Bethesda came out and denied it, right? So Rock Paper Shotgun, the website, they sent... uh, a reporter to interview Raf Colantonio, who's the guy in charge of Arcane Austin, and he and Raph Colantonio asked him, hey, are you guys making Prey? And Raf Colantonio said, no. So at that point, I was like, wait a minute. So it, I wound up getting an email from Raf Colantonio to his studio saying, hey guys, we're working on Prey. And I published that on Kotaku. Um, so obviously that pissed them off because it made it clear that they were lying to people. Um, and then after that in December, what <laughs> happened
0: out, was this what's up? Which we know now because praise coming right
4: out. now. Praise coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So in December, uh, uh, there was this big ARG called the Survivor 22.99, and everyone thought it was going to be this big Fallout 4 announcement. Um. Then, as it turned out, it was fake. Right. So the news came out; it was fake. Everyone was disappointed. Around the same time, someone sent me some casting documents from the real Fallout 4. So I did a story, being like, "Hey, even though that thing was fake." Fallout 4 is real, and here's the proof of it. And then after that, it was kind of that series of events that led Bethesda to just stop talking to us, stop sending us emails, stop inviting us to things, um, just stop talking to us entirely. Even even today, when there are stories about Bethesda, like our our uh, uh, practice is to. Uh, contact people, contact companies for comment whenever we're writing news about them that like we need comment on or whatever. Um, they have not responded to a single comment from us <laughs> in uh, three and a half yeah, years. Yeah, it's it's babyish. There, I mean, their their marketing department is run by some babies. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> did
0: they did they actually tell you, like, hey, send you an email, like, yo, you're, you're blackball? We're not nope,
4: we're nope. Here. It out. Nope. And you know, what's really fucked up is that to this day, no other like reporter or gaming outlet has ever asked them on the record. Hey, why are you guys blacklisting in Like to this day, they have not said anything about it, which is uh, pretty funny. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Have you ever been blackballed by anybody else?
4: Ubisoft blacklisted us for a temporary... Uh, I was just about to say that. Yeah, temporarily after... Because we kept reporting on the new Assassin's Creeds. They kept <laughs> People kept leaking them to us. Um, and Ubisoft got pissed about that. But now Ubisoft's working with us again. And they were adult enough to reach back out and build our relationship again, which has uh, been good.
1: I heard those are the two hardest companies to get into business with, too.
4: Yeah, well, I don't know. It's... it's yeah, it's it's uh it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: Okay. Um, this was this was good. This was a good interview. Cool. Yeah. Right, well, you, thanks you, for you, having
1: you, me, guys. You, yourself is good, man. send <laughs> <laughs> it to the guy in the chat. All right. The division three hundred dollars cool. <laughs> to so-
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I see someone in the chat. I just looked over the chat. I see someone talking about NDAs. Okay. Um, so just to be clear when we report on stories this is based on people sending us stuff we're not breaking any NDAs we're not like signing things and then breaking them we're not like signing embargoes yeah, and then not breaking agreeing. them right. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: yeah yeah if people break NDAs their own NDAs and send us stuff like that is not a legal we're not legally obligated to honor other people's NDAs like that's not how it works and in fact a lot of times people who are I mean there's certainly an argument to be made that like we don't need to be reporting on on the new game that someone else is working on right before the companies want to announce it um, there is an argument to be made that we do need to because we're news reporters and we should be reporting on that but that's a little more complicated um, in terms of like reporting on companies doing shitty things to their employees like stuff like crunch and like layoffs and and stuff like that stuff that needs to be talked about that is sometimes it's important for people to break their ndas to talk about that stuff and contact us and and we'll definitely honor like if someone comes to us and says hey my company's treating me like shit i gotta break nda to tell you about this i'll say absolutely we'll keep you anonymous we'll protect you we we don't have a problem with that because that's our jobs our jobs is to do that
2: Hey, I, I got a question because uh, I heard Greg Miller say this. I don't know if it's true or not, but, like, you know, how sometimes like reviews of games, the embargo, somebody breaks it. Uh huh. And, and he was like, you know, if somebody breaking embargo. I think like we all could just break it at that point like it's just out. So is that true or is it like a little different?
4: It depends. It depends on the story. Right. Like sometimes it's with reviews. No, not really. With news. Yeah, because the news is out there. Um. Yesterday, I think Sega gave out an embargo about like Bayonetta coming to PC, and and Gadget broke it a couple hours early. So obviously, everyone could be like, "Oh yeah, Bayonetta is coming to C- PC." Um, it really depends on the situation with reviews. Not really. Like I wouldn't break an embargo even okay. if someone okay. else like like posted it up early. I wouldn't break an embargo for that unless the publisher came to us and said, "Yeah, you can break an embargo." Because the thing about embargoes is like, where companies don't owe anybody early review copies. Like they're doing us a favor. By giving us, I mean, it happens to be a mutually beneficial favor because they're doing themselves a favor too, getting coverage of their games. But like, if if a if every company decided not to send out review copies anymore, like that would be totally up to them. Their prerogative. So, us agreeing to an embargo is a totally reasonable, fair condition for getting reviews. And also, the thing about an embargo is it, it. allows us to all be on the same page as our competitors, so we don't have to feel like we got a rush to be the first ones to review the game. So I think embargoes, review embargoes I think can tend to be a good thing as long as they're not like Assassin's Creed Unity where the review embargo was the day it came out and like nobody could say that it was buggy and shit because It was
1: like a a couple hours after the release. yeah, 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 yeah.
4: So we actually made a policy after that game came out that we won't agree to embargoes like that anymore. We'll only agree to embargoes that lift either before or right when and the game came out. So our readers can see our review. Uh, and if we need to talk about like some buggy, busted parts of the game, we can tell readers about that before the, uh, the game is actually for sale.
0: Appropriate warnings, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, Jason, thank you.
4: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So if people uh, want to find me, so you can find me on Twitter at Jason Schreier, J-A-S-O-N-S-C-H-R-E-I-E-R. And um, my book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, is uh, up for pre-order now. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere else you prefer to order books. Um, and it comes out in September. I'm pretty excited. I hope people dig it.
3: Hey, that's out. a good name, too. Definitely. I like that name. Of the Thanks,
4: portal. man. I appreciate it.
5: I'll be reading yeah,
3: that thing.
0: Definitely.
2: Where can we find you, smooth after this Burial? <laughs> 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 you guys, really over exaggerate. you're gonna find me on Twitter doing what i do best and that's getting people triggered uh why are you <laughs> arguing why? smooth lying
3: is not getting people triggered why, why <laughs> are you arguing <laughs>
5: with that man right now i'm looking at it smooth um anyway Jay, now? Again,
2: um I'm just like i said you didn't you probably didn't get any tweets from me i just stood on the sidelines and watched have the pom poms H- happy to have the opportunity to speak with you, even though everybody in the chat and the people on this panel are going to over exaggerate. They're going to say you bodied me. It was a burial, even though all you did <laughs> was answer my question. So that's all. But thank you for uh, showing up. It's been great. Hopefully I run into you at E3.
4: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, smooth And you know what? I, I think that uh, uh, if I mean, I-, I don't know if you're like a huge, are you. You're a huge Xbox fan, I gather.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: okay. I mean, that's really cool. I like. I don't understand why when people are like super attached to Microsoft or Sony or any company, but uh, uh, but yeah, pow, I mean, power to you.
5: There's one thing I don't understand. Like, if you're an Xbox fan, and you see these extremists. Like, what, shouldn't they like oh tell their own to back off? Like, yeah, what are you guys doing? Well, he's one, <laughs> of them, so he's making them, us man.
2: look bad well a that's a
4: great question
5: that it's is a great I,
2: question. this is how i work you know this is how i work right i feel like i'm a lion right and you don't see lions hanging out with tigers rolling a pack of lions so that's how i look at that thing i don't i'm not responsible for what the next dumb that's, that's person true. say that's true. you know what i mean i'm gonna roll in my pack you can out you can eat me up for the stuff i do and i say but i will not be held responsible for what the other pack say
4: Okay. I will say that if people like saw my tweets about the Scorpio or whatever and were pissed off, they should go look at the tweet that we dropped in here earlier to uh, <laughs> to. See oh yeah, how the I Sony press
2: conference. Them. Yeah, the pros. Uh, Some of them conference.
3: still won't care even after that. Yeah, they, oh, yeah because.
2: I mean, yeah, because they're... I, I got one more question for you because I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I argue with most of the people in this panel here over the same thing, right? So, and actually, right. I think you were caught saying this, too. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> my beef is that uh, everybody's spouting that Xbox has no games, right? And I get really triggered at the fact that when when they say no games, they're not properly doing it. They're not saying, oh, no exclusive. They'll tell you the Xbox has... No games, and I feel like that term is used too loosely. And there's like they're giving out this impression that you're gonna pick up this Xbox, and there's nothing to play for it. So and That goes without saying. Are we thirty He's, he's, games. he's no, taking he, it. Lit-
3: he's taking it literally. He's taking it literally. Like no, you you nobody it. is even saying it literally.
4: I mean, when I say it, I'm talking about no games. I mean, all Xbox games are also on PC. That's what I'm talking about. Like, if, if you want to play Horizon, you've got to get a PS4. If you want to play Persona 5, which is another all-time classic that we didn't talk about before, you got You got to get a PS4. If you want to play uh, Gears of War or Halo 6, then you can get it on a PC. So what do you need an Xbox? for? I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I say the Xbox doesn't have the games to compete with PS4.
3: He know what you mean. He know exactly what you mean. Well, um, by the way,
4: by the way, if Microsoft and I said this right after my other tweet, but none of the Xbox fans, none of the fanboy scumbags, whatever, pay attention to this. If Microsoft (laughs) announced Lost Odyssey two, I would be right there on launch night, like getting this thing. Like that's all I need is a game like that to to be a, a system seller for me. I'm a, I'm an easy sell. <laughs> That's oh, all I need. Keep hope alive. Yeah, right? <laughs> so what what'd
5: you think about Scalebound being canceled?
4: Uh, that is that hurt, unfortunate. That hurt, and that just like it continues a pattern of Microsoft canceling games and closing studios. I mean, I'm well, closing Lionhead. Um, and Ensemble, don't
5: forget it, Ensemble. That was early, too.
4: Man, you want. Hey, good chance to promote my book because Halo Wars and the story of Ensemble's last years is, is a chapter in my there book. There
3: you go. Mm. Hey, they um, might not got exclusives coming out, but they got some new colorful controllers. So look forward to that.
4: That's true. I mean, they got some stuff that Sony doesn't have, like the the elite controller is pretty cool. Sony doesn't have anything like that. Um, with the under buttons and stuff. Uh, uh backwards compatibility. Sony needs to get on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Microsoft has some advantages. It's just that uh, they they need to do more. That's all I'm saying. Yep.
0: Well. All right, so, yeah, Weapon Wheel Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can check it out there. All the links are in the description. Once again, Jason, thank you for coming through. Thanks,
4: guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All the viewers, thank you all for watching, and uh, we out of here, y'all. Peace.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: Peace.